Well, good morning. Um, if I have not met you yet, my name is Jill, and I am the children's director here. Um, and I'm so excited to be with you this morning. Um, I love working with your kids. I think I tell you that every time I'm up here. Um, but what makes me really excited today is the fact that I get to talk with you. Because back there in Grove Kids, um, at most we can get 52 hours a week with the kids. Because that's if you came every single Sunday, um, we would get 52 hours a year, not a week. Um, but the truth is, you guys don't come every Sunday. Um, I'm not saying that shamefully, I'm saying it just honestly. So even if you came like once a month, or if you came once a month, we get 12 hours a year with your kids. If you came twice a month, we get 24 hours a year with our kids. Like, it's pretty limited. But all of you get so many more hours. So as much as we'd like to think, like, we get to have this awesome impact on the children. They're going to have this amazing faith story, and it's all because of our Sunday school teachers. Like, we get to play a part. But you, the adults, the parents, the grandparents, the neighbors, the people who are in those kids' worlds get to do so much more. Um, so I'm really excited that we are in the middle of talking about parenting and influencing the next generation because you are influencers. Like, you're all world changers. Do you realize that? You might be sitting here tired, wishing your coffee could kick in. Um, you might be feeling like you failed this morning. Um, I mean, my son is sitting here with a DS and headphones on because um, he had a, like, cold. And I really wanted my husband here because then he can tell me how awesome I am afterward. Um, so I'm not saying that we're all, like, these amazing spiritual warriors and giants, or at least we don't feel that way. But we get to be influencers. Um, I had some pretty amazing influencers in my life growing up. My family was at church every Sunday. We were the first people to get there, the last people to leave. Um, I think my brothers and I all took turns getting forgotten at some point or another. Like, we'd look around and go, I don't think mom or dad is here anymore. And then they'd come back and get us. Um, I remember my mom sending me to get my dad for dinner, and I'd go back to his room, and I'd find him laying on his bed with his Bible open on his chest, and he'd be sound asleep. But... What really stood out to me was that he would underline Bible verses, and he would write notes in his margins, and so I wanted to do that with my Bible. So I had my Precious Moments Bible, because I was a child of the 80s, and I would just go underline verses. Didn't make sense what they were, but I wanted my Bible to look like my dad's. And my mom, she did her quiet times in the morning, and she stayed awake for them. Um, she would, I would, if I got up early, I would come out into our living room, and I'd find her sitting in her spot on the couch, and she'd have her Bible open and her prayer journal open. And I knew I can't have breakfast yet. Because we all knew no breakfast until mom had had her quiet time. You just had to respect that space. I mean, and she has years and years and years of prayer journals. Because she takes these Mary Inglebright calendars that have boxes. And she writes her prayers in each one. And so every year one of us gets her a new um, Mary Inglebright calendar. And she writes her prayers in them. And she'll look back and she'll tell me, Three years ago today, I was praying for you for this. Do you realize how far God brought you? And it's always like, wow, that's really, really cool. Um, I remember walking into Winco with my dad when I was young enough that it was still cool that I was holding his hand. And he squeezed it, and he was like, Jill, when you grow up, make sure you marry someone who loves Jesus. I'm like, okay, Dad, sure. But I married someone who loves Jesus. And I remember that moment clearly as we're walking in because he made that impression on me. Uh, my parents weren't perfect. They fought. We fought. Uh, I remember my mom sitting in her van in the driveway because she was so frustrated with us that she just needed space. 
Um, so she just went out to the car. She's like, leave me alone. And we all just kind of know we'd push it too far. Um, they fought. They disagreed. They worked things out between them. I always say that my family was really good at fighting, and then we just moved on really well, too. So we were one of those loud, everything gets out there kinds of families. Um, neither of my parents grew up in this amazing home. They broke patterns when they raised our, my brothers and I. My dad grew up in a home where they went to Catholic Mass each week, but he wouldn't say that his faith really solidified in his heart. Um, he's, I remember the story of him saying to show that he'd read the book, he just sat there flipping it to make it look used because uh, that was how engaged he was in it. Um, and his parents' marriage was completely volatile, but somehow they stuck through it. Uh, my mom had a dad who also did his quiet times in front of her because she's told stories about this ugly green chair that they had. It was in our house for a while, too. And it was big and deep, and he'd sit in it with his Bible, and she knew if she could just squeeze in next to him and sat perfectly still, he would let her be a part of his quiet time with him. And so I remember hearing stories about that. But she also had a mom who wasn't in her life anymore by the time she hit her preteen years. And things weren't always happy at home, but there was this legacy that was involved. So I love that I have a story of faithful parents who weren't perfect, and my parents have stories of imperfection, and they just stuck with it. Because the truth is, no matter what we do in our kids' lives, the most impactful thing we can do is just live out our faith in front of them. We don't have to be these amazing, godly Mother Teresa Billy Graham people. We just love the Lord, and we walk it out in front of our kids. We've been spending the last couple weeks, and today's our last day of it, talking about how we pass our faith on to the next generation. Um, we've talked about bringing up ballers and raising rock stars, and today we're talking about faith that is caught, not taught. Um, because the most um, influential part of your life and your faith is going to be caught by your kids, not taught. It's not a lesson that you're going to say, do this, do this, do this, and they'll go, oh my goodness, I love Jesus. It's the day-in, day-out piece of it. Uh, I don't remember my parents ever just straight up saying, Jill, read your Bible. I mean, maybe they did, but obviously I don't have memories of it. I don't remember them saying, Jill, serve in the church. But you know what they did? They served in the church. So I saw it and I caught it. I don't remember them saying, you should pray, but they sure prayed with me. In fact, every night my mom would pray with me and my dad would pray with my brothers. And it got to the point where my mom said, Jill, I can't pray with you at night unless your room is clean. Or at least there's a path to the bed. And she hoped I would start cleaning, but instead I started going to her because um, I was not cleaning my room. Um, but I continued that, and it was even in high school. I would come home late at night, I mean, by curfew, but I would come home late, and I would find her in her room with her lamp on because she couldn't fall asleep before we got home. And I would sit there, and I'd talk to her about my day, and we'd still pray together. So that continued until I was 18. Um, there would be significant times when I'd be facing a test or a difficult social situation or just something big, and my parents would pray with me. And I can guarantee you this morning my mom prayed for me. And I know that earlier this week she texted me, because I've had, my body hates me, but I had a weird issue, and she was like, just so you know, I pray for your physical health every night. Like, I know my mom is still praying for me. Or when we've had other big, heavy stuff going on in our life, She's like, Dad and I were praying for you this morning because we know today's a big day. Like, that prayer was a part of it. She didn't say pray. She prayed. And that's had such an impact on my life. And you guys, we're surrounded by younger generations here at the Grove. Maybe you don't have little ones at home anymore. Maybe you hope you'll never have little ones at home. Maybe you feel like you've already missed the mark. No matter what, we have younger generations. Look around. 
We have some pretty youthful faces in here. Our middle schoolers are with us today, which is awesome. I mean, there's probably 10 of them back in Grove Kids because they don't like to have to be in here any more than they have to. But for those of you that are in here, I love that you're in here. Like, you get to learn something. You may feel like you check out for half of it, but guess what? You're catching something right now, too, and you're catching something every Sunday. So as long as you can look around and see that you have someone younger in your life, you can live a faith that is caught, not taught. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it is a friend. Maybe it's someone who's walking just a little bit behind you in their faith. Like, we can always be bringing people up on our, alongside us with their faith. Because living a faith that gets caught is not about telling kids or younger generations to do better than you. It's about giving them a boost into a better faith life themselves. It's about letting them, like the next generation, stand on your shoulders so that they can be starting out one step ahead with their faith than maybe you were. I had lots of people giving me boosts. Like we talked about my parents. I had some pretty awesome youth leaders. And there was a lady named Sheena um, who saw me as an eighth grader and noticed that I was lonely, and she started taking me out to ice cream. And then when it got to high school, we figured out the best thing for our schedule was every Sunday morning we went out to breakfast before church. And she would sit there and she'd ask me about my day and my week, and we'd talk about boys and we'd talk about school. And then she'd ask me, what did you read in your Bible this week? And I'd be like, John? Because that's a book of the Bible. Um, but it got to where I was like, I want to have something real to tell Sheena when she asks me what I read in my Bible this week. And so that got me wanting to read my Bible. It's not that she was going, Jill, you need to be reading your Bible for 15 minutes each day. No, it was just like, let's talk about what's in your world and how you're engaging with God's word. And then when I got to my senior year of high school, I started inviting my friend Emily to come to breakfast with us. And later that year, Emily sent me an AOL instant message. It's so cool. I mean, I was like Princess Sparkles. Uh, like, I had a lot of S's in there. Uh, but she was telling me, she's like, Jill, the coolest thing happened. I was stumped on my math homework, and I couldn't figure it out, and I prayed. And it all made sense. And I was like, yes! Like, that is why Sheena and I are having breakfast with her each Sunday. That's why I'm sharing my time with Sheena. Um, it was just cool. That was bringing someone along on our faith. I had another Bible study leader named Christy, and Christy was like real-life Christy. She was a newlywed. You got to hear crazy stories about her really crazy husband. Um, you got to hear about working in a chemistry lab at CH2M Hill. I think that's what she did. Um, but she brought us into her life. We had sleepovers at her house. And then one day, I felt disconnected when I prayed, and I was like, Christy, what do I do? And she said, keep it simple. Just tell God, God, I don't know how to pray. And the next day, say something else to him. God, I'm having a good day. And she told me to stop overcomplicating my prayer life. And that transformed my prayer life. I had a lady named Charlene, who was the preschool Sunday school teacher during the second hour of our church. And she let me, a really awkward, bossy sixth grader, uh, take over doing attendance with the kids and leading songs. And Charlene trusting me and giving me that position of just leadership within the class is probably a big part of why I'm standing here today. I've had all these people who have given me this boost that I get to stand on their shoulders. And then now I have these really cool middle schoolers who get to work with us back in Grove Kids each week. And I like to think they're getting to stand on my shoulders too. This is living a faith that is caught, not taught. Do you ever get scared of the idea of legacy? 
the idea that someone's standing on your shoulders and then hopefully in the future someone else will stand on their shoulders and that you're going to screw it up or you're like, wait, what if I've already screwed it up? There isn't like an incomplete, you failed. It's every moment you get to just go forward and do what's next. We have generations ahead of us and we're going to look today at the chapter 6 in Deuteronomy. So if you want to go ahead and pull out your Bible app or your Bibles, or it'll be on the screens in a second. Um, I love that we don't have any guarantees about our own kids' futures, but we do have a guarantee that God is going to walk with us, and he's going to give us wisdom, and he's going to give us guidance, and he's not going to fail us. And so when we look at Deuteronomy 6, it's coming right after God had rescued the Israelites from the Pharaoh in Egypt, so they're no longer slaves. They were headed towards the land that God had promised them, And Moses had just been given the Ten Commandments. So right after that is chapter 6. And when you look at this chapter, it kind of is a manual. You know how they say, like, there is no manual for parenting? And you're like, great, that doesn't help me. There's kind of a manual right here for passing on our faith to the next generations. It starts in verses 1 and 2 with a bit of a mission statement. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so you may enjoy long life. So the mission that's given to the Israelites here, which is also given to us, is to follow the Lord and to raise up children who will follow the Lord, who will raise up children to follow the Lord. It's this generational impact. So step one, because that's big, that's heavy. Like I'm thinking future, my great-grandchildren, their great-grandchildren. How are we going to have that legacy? Step one is in verses four and five. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. So step one, if you're a note taker, is just love the Lord. Do you love the Lord? Look at that. You're already on your way. Like, that's fantastic. And he says to love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Loving him with all your heart means that you're loving him from within. It's more than just saying, I love Jesus. It's making that choice to say, I love Jesus. It's saying that he is my one God. Um, I've heard speakers say, like, anything that occupies your mind the most is your God. And that gets a little overwhelming to try to think about because then I'm like, I really do have to think about my kids. Like, if I don't, they probably won't eat. I mean, they don't eat half the time anyways because we forget to eat. Um, But, or like, I do need to think about bills. And I do need to think about the responsible things that I've been given. But when I'm thinking about those things and I'm worrying about them or I'm stressing about them, it's when I can't let God's peace be more. It's when I can't let God's faithfulness be more. It's when I can't let his promises be more than all the other things. That's when they become my God. You know, I need to let him be my God by saying, God, I've got all these worries. I've got all these troubles. But overall, I trust you. That's loving God with all your heart. Loving God with all your soul is from deeper. It's saying that, He is going to be there, that I've chosen to love him with all my heart, and now I'm going to do something with it. It's what drives you. It's that motivator. And then loving him with all your strength, the word strength translates to vary. 
So it's loving him with all your veryness. Um, it's saying, I'm going to love you with my marriage. I'm going to love you with my kids. I'm going to love you with my cell phone. I'm going to love you with my job. I'm going to choose to take all these things that you've given me, and I'm going to love you with them. It means you're going to honor him with being a hard worker. It means you're going to be faithful to your relationships. It means you're going to be committed to making the choices that will honor him. That's loving with your veryness. So step one, we love him, okay? Now here's the thing, that doesn't mean you have to be perfect. Because God uses broken people to tell beautiful, glorious stories of redemption. So it doesn't mean you have to be holier than holy to raise kids who will follow him. It means you just say, God, I'm going to live it out in front of them. Um, I heard this really great quote that says, Never buy into the myth that you need to become the right kind of parent before God can use you in your children's lives. Right? You don't have to be right. You just have to follow. Just love him. Because one of the best things your kids can catch from you is watching what it looks like to repent and to receive forgiveness, to correct wrongs. I mean, like, I have to apologize to my kids a lot. Um, I remember there was this time, Jace was probably two. He has no clue I'm talking about him. Um, he's just, there I am on my DS. Just makes my mom heart happy right now. He just looked at me like, what's going on? Um, so there, Jace was probably two or something, and he was being a stinker, because um, my children are real-life children. And he's doing something, and I exploded, because I'm explosive. Um, I have passionate feelings. Um, so he did something, and he was like, Mommy, you're scaring me. And I was like, well, don't do things that make me scary. You know, like, so it's like, we have to, there be two things that we have to apologize for. Yes, I mean, for reals, if he was an angel, I wouldn't have to get mad. Um, Yes, let me repent my pridefulness. Uh, so it's when we live out confessing, when we say, I'm sorry, mommy messed up. I mean, it was even just recently, I had to say to my kids, you guys are doing nothing wrong. I am just cranky today, okay? So I need you to just go play because I don't want to do something that's going to make me have to apologize again. And they were like, oh, okay, mom. And they went and played. Um, so it's living out the fact that we mess up does more for our kids than living out a life of perfection. Because you know what? They're going to mess up someday. And if they have seen that you have faithfully, faithfully proven that you will love them and forgive them, they will have a much easier time accepting that their God will faithfully love them and forgive them. We need to prove to them through our actions first that they can trust what we're saying about God. And that means apologizing, confessing, just being real. That's going to do a lot for our kids. All right, so I got step two for you. It's in verses six, and nine, six to nine. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So step two, if you're my note takers, is live it. So first we had love the Lord, and now we have live it. This is about impressing your faith on your children. Not impressing them, because truly you're going to get to an age where nothing you do impresses them. Right now I'm still at the impressive stage. So I've trained my children to say, Mommy, you're the best mommy in the whole world. Because when you're someone who needs words of affirmation, you teach your kids to give you words of affirmation. So I'll be like, Reese, what do you say? Thank you, Mommy. You're the best Mommy in the whole world. <laughs> like, thanks, I know. But 
before long, they're going to forget about that. So impressing them doesn't mean you're impressing them. It means you are impressing them. You're putting an imprint. You're laying it into them that faith is important to you. So it talks about when we get up. This is, oh, and I just want to tell you, first of all, don't feel like you have to do this list exactly how I say it, okay? Um, I mean, I like lists. I like being told, say this, do this. This is how life goes. But some of you might think, oh, no, I'm in the middle of this conversation with my child, and I'm supposed to be having this type of conversation with my child. Stop it. No more depth. We're supposed to just have fun right now. Don't let this list think you're, like, restricted. I'm just giving you some ideas. So when you get up, that's morning time. Um, this means even if you're not a morning person, you kind of have to get over it because your kids are impressionable in the morning. And we're going to use this time for encouraging words that instill purpose. Like, hey, do your best today. I just want to know you tried hard. Be kind. I love you. We have this morning routine where I wake up my kids with the same song my mom woke me up with. I'm not going to sing it because you guys don't need to hear that. Uh, but it's good morning, good morning, good morning. I hope you're feeling fine. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's time to rise and shine. And then I tag on good morning, I love you. And so now they know that's how I wake them up. And the other day I walked in and Reese was still awake, was already awake. And so I didn't sing it. And she was like, Mommy, you didn't sing the song to me. Like, okay, let's sing the song. But it's these words of encouragement, and we're going to get them going into that day. Um, sometimes Jace is not ready for a good day, and so we have to turn on the Star Wars music. Um, it's not in my head which one it is, but we are listening to the Rebel theme song. A lot of you have it in your heads right now. Um, on the way to school, and he's humming along, and we're like, we can conquer this day. You know, we've got Star Wars on the radio. All right? When you walk along the road, this could be our drive time. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, this is informal dialogue that helps interpret life. Um, we have had different times where we're praying on the way to school because my sweet son can get anxious. And so we know there's going to be a sub, so we pray that God will help him make it through his day. When he's having social times, we pray, like social struggles. And so there I am just driving. I'm saying, dear Jesus, Jace is worried about today. Would you help him not be afraid? And that's all we have to do. It doesn't have to be eloquent. It's just we're driving. Other times after school on the way home, I'm like, how would you rate your day? Because truthfully, I'll say, how was your day? Good. Anything happened? No. And then like five minutes later, he's sobbing, and I find out everything fell apart on the playground. So now we rate his day. How did your day go? It was a four. All right. What took one off? Well, there was inside recess. Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, inside <laughs> recess is the worst. Um, other times we've been driving, and my little girl is, like, spiritually in tune. And so she's talking about something that we hear on the radio. And pretty soon we're saying, well, why do we want our friends to know about Jesus? Well, so they go to heaven. All right, well, more than that, why do we want people to know Jesus? Does he make our lives better? Yeah. So we want other people to know Jesus so their life can be better, right? Doesn't Jesus help us? Yeah. All right, well, we want other people to know Jesus for that. I mean, they're locked in. They're locked down. They have to talk with me. Um, when you lie down, bedtime. That's great for intimate conversation, and it's going to build more intimacy. Uh, we pray with our kids every night. Um, Nolan prays with one, and I pray with the other. And then the next night, it swaps. And we always know which kid is favoring which parent because they're like, yes, daddy tonight. Or, oh, but I really wanted mommy. And we're like, suck it up, kid. You have to deal with that parent. Um, 
But we prayed with our kids every night. And when Jace was a baby, I was feeling convicted that I had a lot of things I should be praying for, but I never made the time to actually pray for them. And so I decided bedtime when I'm praying with him is when I'm going to pray for long-term prayer requests. So that's when we pray for my friend Melissa, who's a missionary in India. And what was so fun is we've been praying for Melissa for all his life. He can't remember not praying for Melissa. When she was here this summer, he got to ask her all sorts of questions about her goat farm and her chickens and the people she interacts with. And it brought it to life. And we pray for my brother, who's not a believer. And we just pray that God will help show Uncle Mike that he is real. So my kids are very aware that Uncle Mike doesn't love Jesus, but we want him to. When my dad was applying for new jobs, we got to pray every night that Grandpa would get his job and God, could you please let it be in Oregon? God didn't give him a job in Oregon. He's in Washington, D.C. instead. But we then got to talk about how God may not answer our prayers how we want him to, but it's not that he wasn't listening. And God still did give Grandpa a job. We got to pray for Uncle Tim that he'd be safe on his deployment. So then we got to celebrate when Uncle Tim got home. God answered that prayer exactly how we wanted him to. So we bring that into it. Um, recently, Jace was really anxious and so we got to pray that just like he learned that morning in Sunday school about how Jesus calmed the storm, we got to pray and say, Jesus, would you calm the storm of Jace's emotions tonight so he can sleep? And he was like, wow, Mom. Like, yeah, isn't that cool? Wow. I mean, we also have Reese who wants to know about the Trinity at bedtime. And Daddy is like, Reese, we can't get into this right now. Just go to sleep. <laughs> but we'll pray that Jesus will give her good dreams. And we will pray that she will have fall asleep quickly because then she'll come downstairs five minutes later. Jesus didn't help me fall asleep quickly tonight. I'm like, well, I don't think you gave him time to answer that prayer. Um, I love that we can use different opportunities to instill faith in our kids. We also get to have fun times because our kids need to know we're fun people. You know, they'll, they'll forget about it. A lot of you teenage parents are probably like, yep, we've completely lost touch with fun. Um, but we need to use those moments. Utilize it as you go throughout your day, impressing it on them. Read your Bible in front of them. Maybe read your Bible with them. Pray together, and it doesn't have to be eloquent. I mean, we're, seriously, dear Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for Jace. Please help him to have a good night's sleep, and we just lift up Melissa and Uncle Mike to you. Amen. I mean, like, that's the extent of it. Um, making church a regular part of your life can be a huge thing for your kids and their faith. And I'm not saying it because I want you here, because it makes our attendance look better. Because um, truthfully, back there, it's an easier Sunday if there's less of you here. Um, but here at church, we get to teach them what it's like to be a part of the body of Christ. We get to have them see what encouraging relationships look like, what it's like to have other adults who believe in the same thing you believe. Because someday they're going to look at you and be like, why should I listen to you? And you'll be like, well, look, they listen to God too. I'm not the only one. Um, we have been doing, we've been telling you about these parenting books that we have at the go-kart. Jason and I went through our Parenting Your Second Grader book the other day. It was awesome. He was glowing over the time that we spent together, like glowing. I was like, oh, maybe I should have done this a couple months ago when I bought the book. Um, <laughs> but it has this part where it talks about adults who will influence your kids' lives. Because right now my kid thinks I'm awesome, but he's going to be 12 in four years. And he's not going to think I'm awesome when he's 12. And I want him to have other people in his life that he thinks are awesome when he gets to that point. So it said, 
list at least five adults who have influenced who have influence in your second grader's life right now. So he helped me make our list. And we have mom and dad and grandparents. Mrs. Berkland is teacher. Mrs. Kirkhoff is student teacher. And then he says Jason Swank. And Jason is one of our elementary teachers back there. And Jace thinks Jason is awesome. And I'm like, yes, Jason is awesome. And Jason tells you about Jesus. And you can trust what Jason says about Jesus. And then he says, Andrew and Matt, the Shreve boys. Andrew's one of his small group leaders back there. Matt babysits. He sees them at church. My kid's like, these guys are cool. And he gets to come to church and see them. And that's awesome. And he says, Claire Shaw, she's a babysitter. She also is back here. He has these awesome influencers in his life. And it makes me so happy. Because church is influential and family is influential. But when you put those two powers together they can do way more than either one of them can do on their own. I love having those people in our lives. We also have other people in our church who are wanting to invest in people. We have midweek small groups for our youth that meet. We have Teresa and Rachel who are leading the middle school girls. My husband Nolan and Eric Sisson get to lead the middle school boys. It smells special in that room. <laughs> they play video games, talk about Jesus, play some more video games because they have some guys in their lives who get them and they want to talk to them about Jesus. Like, that's powerful. Most weeks, no one's like, oh my goodness, I don't think they understood it at all. But the boys keep coming back. Maybe it's because their parents keep dropping them off. But either way, they're getting influenced. And we have high school groups that meet. We have um, Justin McCubbins and Jeremy Daniels and Mary, Romy, and Rachel. You meet with Sarah. Thank you. Sarah Clintworth is with Teresa, not Rachel. Rachel's with Mary. We have these small groups that meet, so that way they can have other voices in their weeks telling them, you are cared about, and God cares about you too. And we have volunteers serving throughout this church. I think my kids' favorite people here are the popcorn and hot chocolate makers. So thank you. They look forward to seeing you every single Sunday. It's just the best. We have David and Wanda Joy Adams, who love a girl named Carly, who's a teenager. And they've made sure I always have them on the same week as her in the nursery because they want to keep influencing Carly's life. We have teen helpers who are working with adults. We have so many people who are here to influence the younger generation. And you've got to come to church to go be a part of that. Um, Jesus' parents even made faith as visiting the temple a faithful practice in their life. Um, in Luke 2, we read about how Jesus was born. And then we read about how his parents took him to the temple to be um, dedicated to the Lord. And then we read about how when he was 12, his family went to the temple the same way they did every year. And this time, though, Jesus didn't go home with them, and they didn't realize it for a little bit. So when they went back and they found him, Mary kind of freaked out on Jesus. I'm like, thank you. Even Mary freaked out on the Son of God. I can have those moments, too. Um, but Jesus was like, hey, didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? It's like, Yeah. Mary and Joseph are faithful in taking Jesus to the house of God. I want to be faithful in bringing my kids to the house of God. We have some awesome families who are serving together. So maybe you're like, yeah, I'm here every Sunday. I mean, you're here today. Woohoo. Um, but maybe you need to serve. We have some amazing families where the parents are modeling service for their kids. Like back there right now, I have Ashley and Jason Swank. They have two little preschoolers. Um, I have Chantel Lloyd serving with her daughter, Claire. Um, Jen Hesse, her boys are here. She's serving. Their dad served last week. Um, Becky Anderson, Kathy Bean, Amy Roberts, um, Allison Arsenault. I mean, I have parents all over the place, and these kids love helping. I can guarantee you when we go clean up that gym today, 
they are going to be a part of cleaning up that gym. They all know their tasks, and they do them, and then they know I give them candy at the end because I want them to know it's awesome that their parents serve at church. All right? Step three is in 6, 10 through 12. Now i got to speed up because I've talked a whole lot more than I was supposed to. And I should be nice to my volunteers. All right. When the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant, then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Step three is don't forget. What did your initial acceptance of Jesus mean to you? What has he done in your life? Have you had those spiritual highs where you were like, oh, God is real and he is with me and I feel so known and loved and connected to him where worship is just this full-out spiritual experience as opposed to standing and moving your mouth. We're reading your Bible, it just comes alive. Like we've had those moments. The thing is, not every day is that moment. So the key to showing your kid how real and how true your faith is, is to not forget in those moments where life isn't in a spiritual high. You got to stick with it. The Israelites had an awesome spiritual high. I mean, God rescued them from slavery. He had plagues. He did crazy things. He took them across the middle of a sea on dry land. And once they were across and the army came after them, the water engulfed them. I mean, God was doing awesome things. Moses went on a mountain and God spoke to him and created these Ten Commandments. That was a spiritual high. But God was like, guess what? You're going to go and live a good life, and things are going to be fine, and you're going to forget about me. So don't forget. Keep sticking to it. Modeling what a committed relationship with Jesus looks like to your kids is how they'll catch faith. So just like you're going to be committed to your relationships and committed to your work and maybe committed to your hobbies, be committed to Jesus day in, day out. Our last step is in verses 20 to 25. And this is actually my favorite part of it. In the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, those were the plagues, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land that he promised an oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive, as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God, as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. Our fourth step is tell your story. It's simply laid out here. When your son asks you why we follow God, tell him. We were slaves in Egypt. So when your kid asks you, Mom... Why do we go to church? Well, because I want to know more about Jesus, and that's a great place to learn. Why do we go to church? Well, because there are people there that love me and love you, and that's really cool to get to be a part of. Why do we go to church? Because when mom was in the hospital for her lung, long story, um, we had people from our church bringing us meals for a month. They made sure we were fed. They helped take care of you guys. Mom, how do you know God is real? Well, 
because he's shown me that he's real over and over again. I was really lonely once, and God showed me that he was with me, even when I didn't feel like other people were. Mom, why do you believe God is real? Well, because when I read verses in my Bible, they speak exactly to what I'm going through. Mom, why do you believe God is real? Well, because when I was singing that worship song the other day, I couldn't help but cry because I just knew how much God loved me. In my worst moments, he loved me. That's what I tell him. In my best moments, he loved me. He's there. Like, we just tell our story. Because I made mistakes, and God forgave me. Because I made mistakes, and people that love God forgave me. We just tell our story. We don't have to be theologians. You aren't called to be God to the kids in your life. Let God be God. You just tell them what God has done for you. That's what living out of faith that's caught, not taught, will do. You just tell them, this is what he's done. You know, you live it out in front of them. You just love the Lord with all your heart. You don't forget what he's done, and you tell that story. It's not too complicated. You just be. And parents, adults, people who have younger generations who follow behind them, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be hard. It's going to be work, but it's going to be awesome. And we don't want you to have to do it alone. So we have some really cool resources for you. Like I told you, we have these books, Parenting Your whatever. They're for infant, two-year-old. <laughs> Parents of two-year-olds, you probably really want these. Um, and it goes on up. It goes to four-year-old and then kindergartner all the way through 12th grade. We have about half of the books left at the go-kart. Um, if they don't have your kids' age, I would encourage you to order them on Amazon because they have them all there. I mean, I'm telling you, my kid and I went through this book and he was glowing. So then I ordered the kindergarten one. I first got his because I thought I needed it more. <laughs> but now I'm like, okay, let's do it with Reese too because she loved it. Um, we also have some other cool resources. This book isn't back there, but I would encourage you to order it if you have younger kids. It's called Talk Now and Later. It's a self-published book, so you have to wait two weeks to get it. That's so hard when we're used to Prime. That's um, why we don't have them in the go-kart. But this book takes you through some really rough topics, and it tells you here's how to talk to your kid about it before they face it, and then here's how to talk to your kid about it while they're facing it. So it's Talk Now and Later by Brian Dollar. He's a children's pastor that I now follow on social media because I was like, wow, that book is good. Um, you don't need to follow him. It's mostly just pictures of the kids in his ministry. Um, if you have kids back in Grove Kids, I have some really cool resources for you every week that you don't even have to pay for. In fact, it's really cool if these don't touch the floor of your car, okay? Um, your preschoolers come out with their coloring page. Guess what? On the back of it, it tells you what their Bible story was. It even runs you through a couple activities. Like, here's our family activity kindness chart. How many of you could use that? That's a good thing. Yep. So this gives you the words, because you may not know what they talked about in Sunday school, because you probably asked them and they said, nothing. Or you asked them and they said, Jesus. Well, guess what? Preschoolers didn't talk about Jesus today. They talked about Joseph. Um, for our elementary kids, this is their go home page. It tells you right here, this week we learned. And it tells you what we talked about, the big idea, our Bible basis, and our key verse. You can just talk to them about it that way. And then it also has next week in case you need a teaser to know you should come back next week. All right. So we have some cool resources in the bulletin today. We have this cool thing that says PC, Parent Q. It's the most amazing app I've ever seen. You enter your kids' information, and it tells you stuff for their age. It's for infants up through 18 years old. And it tells you how many weeks you have left till they graduate high school. <gasps> it's 
their whole idea is make it count. And there's also podcasts. They talk about all sorts of topics. Taking your kids to college, how to deal with an annoying child. <laughs> I may have listened to that this week. Um, really good resources. Utilize them. Finally, I want to tell you about one of my favorite things that we're doing this summer. We are not having kids camp this summer. It's not because we don't love it. It's because this building is getting a lot of work done on it, and we can't guarantee we'll have the space. And when you can't guarantee you have the space, it makes it really hard to plan. So just for this summer, wipe the tears away. It's okay. We are doing the best family nights of your entire summer. There's other cool words on it, like the most engaging, great, fun, awesome, entertaining, amazing, whiz-bang, incredible, best family nights. Are you getting the impression it's going to be awesome? Um, they're going to be three nights, in July, one in July, two in August, Thursday evenings. And um, what we're wanting to do with this time is let parents and kids be campers together. We want to give you an opportunity to live out your faith with your kids and show them it's fun to learn about Jesus. And you know what? We also need people who don't have little kids because we're going to offer childcare for younger siblings who are too young for the program. And we're going to need helpers to help make this happen because what better way to get everybody around our kids and show them, look at all these people who love Jesus and love you. So that's coming up. We're going to have high-energy worship dance party. We're going to have game show-style games, teaching about Jesus, hilarious skits because we always pull that off. Um, it's going to be a really, really, really fun night. So save those dates. All right, let's pray. Thank you. Father, we thank you so much for what we get to do. We thank you for the way you have entrusted us with younger generations to bring them up to love you and to serve you. Uh, we thank you that we don't have to be perfect. God, you are God, and we're going to let you be that. So I just lift up these people to you today. I lift up the parents of young ones, the parents of old ones, the parents of the faithfully following you, and the parents of those who are walking away. Lord, would you just strengthen them, equip them, give them what they need. And Lord, we know that you've already given them their own faith stories. Please help them to live it out so that they can be able to say, you are a real God. This is what I've seen you've done in me, do in me. In your name we pray. Amen.